Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the In Contact podcast. I hope you're all well. It's Emma here, back with another topical episode. In this month's podcast, Graham Redman from the Anderson Centre is back with another one of his monthly updates. Graham discusses the poor harvest that we've experienced this year, filling alternatives to OSR with some insightful tips, and finally, some ideas on how growers can be more considerate of their cash flow for the coming year, with low incomes in prospect for this harvest. Next up, Max Newbert, Syngenta Insecticides Technical Manager, discusses the autumn messages for pest consideration. Following that, I sat down with Mark Thomas from the Farming Community Network to reflect on the Harvest 2020 period and how growers have worked through such a difficult season with resilience. We also discuss FCN's Time to Plan initiative and ways in which farmers can help themselves going forward despite the difficult season that they have just had. And finally, a conversation between Syngenta's campaign specialist Olivia War and new farm technologies lead Harry Fordham about the coming season, looking at potential challenges, preparing pre-emergencies and an insight into our Spray Assist app. You can listen to In Contact offline by simply downloading the podcast. Perfect for your commute to work, a lunchtime listen or whilst you're sitting in the tractor. I hope you enjoy listening. Hello, this is Graham Redman from the Anderson Centre. I hope your harvest is going as well as could be expected. Harvest conditions have not been good and represent a combination of awful cereals weather since this time last year. I hope things improve for the coming season. On the whole, it transpires, whilst yields are poor, many growers are experiencing higher winter wheat yield than they thought even remotely possible back in February before the rain stopped. But many fields are very patchy. Most people agree cereal yields overall will not reach their five-year average. Oilseed rape, though, has been overwhelmingly poor, and most opinions canvassed suggest a national yield of perhaps two and a half tonnes per hectare, a tonne an acre, will be as good as it gets, possibly worse. The official yield will be affected by how much land was reclassified as fallow or was redrilled in the spring. Plenty of farms drilled 120% of their farm area this year. Their failed oilseed rape area eventually harvesting a crop of beans or spring oats, for examples. So what are we going to drill this autumn? Most people are expecting a serious decline of oilseed rape cropped area. A lower drilled rape area, of course, is very likely. But it is actually possible that for harvest 2021, the area of oilseed rape harvested might actually increase. I estimated about 25% of this year's oilseed rape crop area was written off, so didn't actually reach harvest. If next year the percentage written off falls to a more typical 7% or perhaps even lower, then a decline in the planted area from our estimate of 495,000 hectares in 2019 to say 410,000 hectares this autumn would still leave more harvested winter oilseed rape simply because more of it grows. Many growers are removing oilseed rape entirely from their cropping. Simply replacing it with another break crop may not solve the problem. Other break crops such as pulses are available and offer soil and following crop benefits too. 
However, they might not demonstrate such high potential gross margins and could also become squashed in the rotation, affecting their long-term yields. It's one to think about. Some arable farmers are increasingly collaborating with nearby dairy or anaerobic digestion farmers to offer whole crop rye, grass fields, as well as other cereals. What else is there near you that might help you extend your rotation further? Interestingly, the harsh winter of 2012 led many cereal farmers to grow spring oats. Their positive results meant that the oat area has been higher than pre-2012 every year since then, apart from one. A surge in oat area this year too might see something similar happen, depending, of course, on the market demand. Spring barley area has surged as well, of course, with possibly a million hectares being harvested in the current year. The gradual rise of spring cock crops can also be seen by a slow decline in winter cropping, including wheat, which, until 2008, topped 2 million hectares on a few occasions and now averages no more than 1.8 million. Spring crops not only help tackle persistent grass weeds, but are cheaper to grow and spread overheads at crunch times of the year. Perhaps in the long term this trend will continue, although it would be expected that a high winter cereals crop, primarily first wheat, is planted this autumn. For the current year, the costs of the poor harvest may not have hit the bank position yet. The 2019 harvest was reasonable, and depending on how much farm was redrilled, costs may not have been as high as usual with cheaper spring crops than winters and probably lots of fallow fields. We really hope that the poor weather has disappeared now for a while. Whichever the financial implications may not yet have done so. Spend some time soon, after harvest, if you've not already, working through the farm budget, updating and refining the figures. When you know the crop yield, you will also hopefully have a clear idea of the quality and specification you have in the barn that you can sell to. This can inform you on the potential value of the crops in store and available to sell in the coming months so that the total farm income can be calculated. Account for any other income too, including basic payment scheme. This will be similar to last year if the farm size has not changed. Work through the budgeted farm costs for the coming year as well. They'll probably be higher with more winter crops to drill and look after. When the costs have been accounted for, the cash flow can then be predicted. You'll be able to see what happens to the bank position and when there is a risk it falls below any pre-agreed overdraft arrangement. This would generally be shortly before the following harvest. If it does, now is the time to examine what you might be able to do differently about it. Is it worth baling straw this year and selling it to a power station or a livestock farm? Can you generate another income from elsewhere? What costs can you postpone or cancel altogether to make the budget balance? Alternatively, now would be the time to speak with your bank manager so the lender is aware of additional borrowing 
you might require in the coming year, even if it is several months away. Whichever, this year a full costed and up-to-date budget is critical so you can see what is happening and manage your business accordingly. If you are uncertain what to budget for your 2021 crop year, have a look in the next farm management pocketbook just published this week. It will give you a steer on costs and incomes amongst other things. I hope you get on okay. See you next month. Be myself, Max Newbert. I'm the technical manager for insecticides in the UK and Ireland. Autumn messages this year for Capitan Flea Beetle and BYDV being the primarily the major points we want to cover. And from ourselves, there's sort of five major areas to think about this autumn going forward uh, and BYDV. One being one of the most simple things is just early control of green bridges so that you're not bringing in aphids that might have virus into the crop directly uh, and very quickly, meaning that control is lost exceptionally early because obviously once infection takes place with barley yellow dwarf virus, you can't undo that. The, the drill date is a huge option uh, for control measure when we look at aphids and the amount of time you're at risk. And really from ourselves, it, it's from that mid-October point onwards for drilling, you really see a uh, reduction in aphid ingress and propagation. Then the other factors come in. So increasing seed rates will, well, especially when I talk about primary infection is one of the major things you can do uh, to really reduce the impact of primary infection of BYDV. Not only that, when we're thinking about um, fly pests, having more tillers, more plants to be resilient to those going forward is important. Obviously from ourselves, Austral Plus is, is now not available. So your only other uh, product would be Signal there, but increasing seed rates in general will be good for fly pests, not only for BYDV reduction. Uh, resistant varieties, Wolverine, Raffaella, Amistar coming out on barley and wheat. Now, maybe not as high yielding, but they could be a really good tool for use in those fields which are always a problem. Ones that have a hill facing a prevailing wind just down from a woodland, etc., which are very high risk and even have had issues in the past where we've had deter and potentially two foliar sprays of pyrethra woods. In those instances, getting the maximum benefit from that field might be going down the resistant route to keep on top of BYDB. And then obviously at the end, if, if all those measures have been taking place and aphids are still ingressing, Hallmark is a fantastic option. And, and this year, I'll, I'll reiterate it later, but we've revamped the BYDB Assist app. So it's more user-friendly um, and has easier ways of alerting you. So that's obviously a way of trying to uh, have thresholds, reduce overspraying and get still get high levels of control. We also did some testing last year of BYDV in the aphids themselves from our network of yellow water traps across the country. So we collected those, sent them to Ferro for counting, and then sent them on to Rothenstead for BYDV testing with Martin Williamson. The rule of thumb used to be around about 5% of aphids carried BYDV. Um, however, you can see from our testing from early September all the way to November, it wasn't until the very end of November we went under 5% infection. BYDV is very prevalent in the aphid population. Not only that, you know, where we had up to over 40% having it, the majority of it was an RPV strain, which is thought to be a more serious um, detrimental strain of BYDV than the PAV and MAV, usually cited as being the strains in the UK. Although we had low pressure last year because of the amount of rain, weather, perturbed aphid expansion of BYDV in the winter cereals, we could have a problem this year, obviously, without deter, uh, and the amount of aphids and BYDV we're seeing. 
some work we're doing this year, we've got a few trials across the country and we had a system where we were trying to look at multi-variety, multi-drill date and its effect on BYDV. So this is in barley, winter barley, the initial effect of having that November drilling struggling very much more than the October. So delay drilling is not always the case for all crops. Um, so there will have to be some early drilling, but we're hoping when the trial results come in from this, we can talk about the agronomy found because we were trying to look at uh, resistant varieties, conventional varieties, six rows, hybrids. We also did infection uh, in these timings to try and get an idea of what is the maximum potential of crops in each drill timing and what is the effect of BYDV in each of those crops in that drill timing. So as that data comes in, we'll, we'll share it. Thinking about delayed drilling, we know Vibrance has a very good effect in wheat, very interested in establishment of number and also tiller amount for crops, thinking about insecticide resilience. Obviously, Vibrance, Sodaxane and Fludoxanil, there's no insecticide quantities there, but we know it has a good vigour effect on crops. So depending if it's late drilled in plough or direct drilled, we always see uh, quite consistently a sort of increasing in those tillering establishment numbers. So effectively it's like upping your seed rate. But now we've also got it registered in barley. Uh, just to note it's not for seed barley or for malting if it's going to malt because it hasn't gone through Camden approval yet. But for feed, and in this case the hybrids, it has that same vigour we see in wheat. Interestingly to note as well, obviously there's always the stories it works exceptionally well in those late drill scenarios. It works very well in barley. Again, this is another good option to think, yes, it's not an insecticidal seed treatment, but it has this vigour effect which might benefit the crop overall to then cope with the stress or uh, insect pressure overall this season. But to help yourselves, um, hopefully this autumn, and understand where pressure is and what's happening, we did this last year and we're going to do it again this year where we've got our BYDV Assist webpage up which has obviously some information about the app, but also Hallmark and then links to the Robinstead insect suction traps. But we've also got a field force members and trialists up and down the country taking yellow water traps. And we update those trap numbers live on the BYDV assist page. And the hope is also to get those aphids tested for BYDV levels as well. And just to update you on the app, open for all and free to download this season for the UK and Ireland. It's really a scouting tool to look at secondary spread infection when that will occur. There are some features new this year. So one, obviously we've done a lot of bug fixing it and from users feedback, try and implement those. But uh, the key difference this year, you can sign up with your email address and a password. And what this allows you to do is, uh, if you sign from a different device, you can see them, uh, see all your data. It's now stored, not just on your phone, but it was stored on the server and it also allows emails to be sent to you when those day degree events are happening. So there's a, another way to be notified so that it's not missed and you can check fields retroactively. Now there's also the ability to edit fields. So before you had to, if there was a mistake or you wanted to change something on the field, you'd have to delete it and remake it. We made an edit function so you can go back in and change the field details and just a few UI updates such as the, instead of just having a few dots along the bottom to indicate there's been multiple 170 day degree events occurring. We've got arrows on this chart to indicate that there's been previous events to make it clearer there's already been a 70 day degree event and to go back and have a look at what's happened. Interestingly, Martin Williamson has been testing last year's summer and spring aphids and found that grain aphid resistance has gone down. So it's not as populous as it used to be and it used to be around 20, 30%. So that's had a reduction in resistance for some reason. This is probably because of a uh, fitness cost However, Rothstead has started to pick up slight tolerances in bird cherry oat and rose grain aphid. So there is a slight 
increase in resistance there. However, how prolific it is in the population and its mode of action and what real level of resistance it, it conveys in field is still yet unknown. But even more reason to follow the sort of resistant rules going forwards. And then just to talk about, obviously, Lambda, I really think is the most potent product, even on resistant aphids. But over generics, we've seen over the last few years, again, with Allinger and Drew Crop Protection, Cisco improvements in control over not only BYD, but the aphids themselves is due to what I'll talk about later with the formulation being more consistent and also elements of it making it more persistent in the field. Sort of summary based on, you know, it will be a lot of, of your local BYDV knowledge. Certain fields, again, might be different to others, even if in the same location. So is it a regular problem in that field, I would say, rather than necessary just general location or is it an infrequent problem at these points generally in september drilling i think it really needs to be thought of carefully how fields have been checked and when sprays are occurring in october then it might come a bit more start becoming a bit more to is it an irregular or a regular problem and then importance will go up and down and then in october that's when unless you're maybe south coast or somewhere there's very high pressure that's when you can start to think okay as long as you've got especially control of those overwintering grain aphids as long as you're on the top of the bridge period you might have done a good job of controlling it for the autumn to get on top of BYDV. Again, like the BYD, we've got a five-point plan, but for flea beetle. First of all, and you'll see from not just our work on flea beetle, but our sustainability project, light till, and I don't think this is a much surprise to any, but light till is really the way to go. Maintaining moisture in the soil, consolidating seabeds, also for margin reasons and establishing the crop seems to work out always the best rather than ploughing in our work so far. Obviously, it will depend on location, but as a trend, that's definitely what we're seeing. Work we've been doing with ADAS has definitely shown making sure you're only drilling it a couple of centimetres, making it sure it's very consistent. The depth is the best way of getting even and quick establishment. And then planting to moisture. People have been asking, you know, when shall I plant for the migration? What's happening uh, with the migration this year? And then trying to plant around that. And yes, migration timing with establishment timing is one of the biggest impacts on if the field were established. However, if you plan to do that, uh, to try and avoid that completely and plant at a time where you're either dry, don't get a good establishment, or moist, then dry, so you get chitting and then uh, obviously the drying off of the seedling. That's the issue more than anything else. So planting to moisture is, is one of your best bets. And then we're doing some work with RSL group this year and Jets Hill looking at 1,000 grain seed weight to see if, as we know in veg brassicas, having a bigger seed, a better vigour, will help that establishment and get over the issue, which is, I think, more establishment than cabbage and flea beetle. Cabbage and flea beetle is just a large problem of establishment. And then obviously, if then there's ingress and loss of plants or plant damage, it's thinking about using a product like Hallmark. So this, this is one of the reasons I say it's very difficult to say when's best to drill. If you drill early, obviously you get more, less adult damage potentially, but a higher larval burden on the crop. But also, just from our work we tried to do last year, we tried to establish a site with ADAS, looking at cultural controls and chemical controls. And we had six drill dates, starting from early August all the way to late September. And every single one of those drill dates failed. And all our traps from AHDB, Pestbursting Week sponsor, and then our water traps we had. When you look at the 2019 year, we had a huge level of flea beetle corks going into you know single trap dates having up to nearly a thousand beetles we had a lot of pressure last year and it was very very consistent so it's very difficult to come up with a date which will work best peaks can change over the years and they can start very early even in july and then move all the way through august september and october even very high numbers in november so it's difficult to give an idea exactly 
of you know, a rule of thumb when's best to drill. With our resistance device, it's low resistance where we will see an effect. Resistance varies not only in level percent of population, but how strong it is because of metabolic resistance being the factor there. So it's all about knowing your resistance level, which is difficult until you spray. So if you are going to spray and you've made that decision, it's about monitoring damage. And if you spray and get no effect, the likelihood of getting an effect later on by spraying more is minimal. If you spray, we would expect at least 21 to 28 days before natural predators will ingress back into the field. So that's something to be thought about. And also follow-up sprays is just going to reduce the amount of susceptible larvae for the next year. So then we're just breeding these resistant populations. If you have an application, you get control, but you get more damage because it's a new migration, that might be the time to do follow-up sprays when you've got a new population that is different to the first and still might have susceptibility. The other thing we know is if you apply even to resistant flea beetle directly to resistant forms, because they get a higher dosage on them, we get better levels of control. And We've done field sprays with application club looking at field scale nighttime and daytime spraying and looking at the notching afterwards. And we saw almost a 50% increase in control. And we know by nighttime spray, I think this is sort of twilight hours in the evening where they're active, more active. And we've seen that in traps and we know they're more active then. So you're hitting them when they're more active. So you get a better efficacy rather than them walking across the leaves and maybe picking up only a small part of the product. But as I was saying with resistance, Roth said obviously had Kathleen Willis, the PhD student, looking at this uh, really well last year and I think she's doing the same this year from um, grain store captured flea beetle we have as we know got a resistant issue in the UK there are still a few sites with full set populations and a lot of the sites obviously have several parts of the population but really this only denotes what happened with resistance in the previous year so it doesn't really uh, say what will be the advice going into this year because your grain store flea beetle won't necessarily go into your new crops, you might be getting the neighbour's population, etc. But we know that on average 60% or median percent of the population has resistance. One of the things we've seen consistently working is cultivation. So this is from our Iowa SAR site the other year where we were looking at the same drill date of the same seed lot of all seed rape. The only difference was we had a cultivation on one part of it which was early August. But we've also got a five-year sustainability program looking at year-on-year -year cultivations and how it affects crop rotation. We've had two years of yields from that. We've got Kent with Andy Barr, Lenham site. We've also got Lodgerton and the GWCT team. And if we average those two years, two sites, uh, yield from all rate on the different cultivations. So plough is 25 centimetres. Mint hill, this is a sort of 12, 15 centimetres. Non-inversion uh, cultivation. And then light hills, uh, saw, rake and direct drill. Got about a 15% yield increase just from this. So obviously on top of that, you're having the benefit on margin of the establishment on top of everything else. From us that really is beneficial. You're also not plowing down parasitic wasps or beneficial insects, maybe such as spiders and ground beetles. So again, this is you know on label advice, we'd be thinking generally this in the UK is probably what most people's threshold is going to be. It's going to be loss initial loss when the plant's most susceptible and you'll be doing 75 mils of flea beetle and couch some flea beetle at 50 mils. So nothing changes there. That concludes our information on BYDV and cabbage stem flea beetle control for this autumn. Hope that has been helpful for you in planning this autumn's control strategies. Earlier in the week, I sat down with Mark Thomas, the National Helpline Manager and Regional Director for the Farming Community Network, to reflect on the Harvest Heroes campaign that we have been working together on over Harvest 20, to recognise and celebrate our growers and agronomists who work tirelessly to feed the nation. 
As we're nearing the end of harvest and beginning to look toward the next season, Mark and I had a discussion about preparedness and FCN's new initiative, Time to Plan, which has been put into place to help growers and agronomists prepare for uncertainty and worst case scenarios. So we've been working together during the harvest period to help raise awareness for mental and physical health, um, bringing attention to the busy lifestyle that farmers have and how this can have a detrimental effect on their health. Could you tell me what the harvest period has been like for the charity? Have you experienced more farmers getting in touch? Um, what have been the biggest problems you've been approached about? Yes, well, um, first of all, thank you for inviting me to take part in your, uh, in your podcast, uh, Emma. Um, the summer's generally a, a slightly quieter time for FCN's helpline. Um, farmers and others who work in the industry, I guess, are, are busy working putting in long hours, focused on the day job. Um, calls relating to concerns about COVID um, have reduced from the peak in March, April, May, when we saw quite a few calls on, on that subject. Um, and I think it's fair to say that, that um, farming families, people who work in the industry have been remarkably resilient through the pandemic. Um, the top four issues that people have contacted our helpline about over the last couple of months um, have been to do with stress, uh, family relationships, financial matters, and physical health. Uh, and often we find that cases that present to FCN have a combination of those factors. It, it's rarely one issue. Um, there, there's, there's often multiple factors involved. Um, but it's perhaps worth adding that um, whilst uh, the summer is a quieter time for the helpline, um, our volunteers are on duty, whether it's busy uh, or, or a quieter time. Um, and as an example, in August, we had over 200 helpline duty sessions and our amazing volunteers gave nearly 500 hours of service to ensure that there's someone on the end of the phone, 16 hours a day, seven days a week. Um, now that we're nearing the end of harvest and yield results are being reported with some of them, a lot lower than anticipated. What can farmers do to ensure that they aren't letting these negative results get the better of their health, especially after a period of working so hard? Yes, well, um, I'm very aware that, that uh, about the reports of uh, poor harvest results in many areas and, and lower forage crop yields. And um, this could obviously translate into cash flow difficulties, uh, and a shortage of feed for some farms. Um, the situation is going to vary, of course, from farm to farm. They're, they're all individual, and people will know about their own situation uh, much, much better than I can comment on. But, but a few things that, um, that I find help to look after oneself, you know, st start planning as soon as possible. Try, try not to put it off, even though it's tempting. And, and I have to put my hand up. I'm not good at that personally. Um, but the longer we delay uh, tackling problems, then the more stress we often put ourselves under. Um, share your concerns. Uh, talk it over with family and friends if you can. Uh, and it's, it's definitely a truism that when we share our worries, um, it, it can often feel like the pressure valve has, has been released. Um, I, I'd encourage people to talk to their, their neighbouring farms if they can. Um, Others could be in a similar position and there may be opportunities to work together, collaborate, and that may give people uh, more options. Um, and if you think your finances may come under pressure, uh, I, I'd say contact 
your suppliers and have a have a chat with them. Um, I worked uh, for for a, an agricultural supplier most of my career, and I know that they'd rather far rather talk to people about these things um, in advance and have surprises, and and they can they can often have ways that they can help. Um, social media. Um, it has its downsides, uh, but it can also open our eyes to, to new ideas, things that we may not have thought about, um, provide links for, for information and help. Um, and uh, I promote, if I may, farmwell.org.uk, which is a wonderful free resource of information on uh, personal uh, and business resilience. And finally, um, if people feel the, the stress is rising and it begins to cloud one's thinking um, or, 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 or make you feel unwell, um, then try and pick up the phone and talk to somebody, a, a family member, a friend, um, or if you prefer, uh, you can call um, an organization like FCN, call our helpline 03000 111 or email help at fcn.org.uk for those who prefer to get in touch in that way. Uh, but the key thing is, um, please don't suffer in silence. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I know that you're working on a time to plan initiative, which is focusing on supporting and encouraging people through change. Could you tell me a little bit more about this? Uh, yes, of course. Um, well, we find that um, a lack of forward planning is a common factor in many of the cases that present to SCN. Um, th this includes medium and long term business planning. Um, later life planning and, and being prepared for unexpected events, a bit like a pandemic coming around the corner at us. Um, and failure to plan can impact the farm business um, and it can also contribute to difficulties with family relationships, um, mental well-being, um, and in managing the farm in older age. And so um, Time to Plan is an initiative that we're going to run from October through to March next year, really to encourage people to uh, think ahead um, and to raise awareness of the importance of planning and encourage thought about managing through the change process. Um, we'd like to work with others to help build confidence and skills uh, and to be proactive and, of course, to ensure that um, where people need to, um, that they know how they can connect with help and support that, that might, might, uh, might help them. So we'll be concentrating on a different subject each month. Um, in October, uh, that'll all be about the principles of managing change. November will focus on contingency planning, dealing with the unexpected. Uh, December, we will be looking at diversification and January will be about Brexit and the new support system. Hope, hopefully we have a bit more clarity on that by then. Um, in February, we'll be shining a light on succession planning and retirement. And finally, in March, uh, we'll be providing pointers on safe working uh, and looking after oneself and, and those we work and live with. Uh, each month, there's going to be interviews, case studies, fact sheets uh, and other resources that people can dip into. Um, and at the end, we hope to bring it all together into a, a time to plan booklet. And then will this booklet um, be available for them to use in years to come? Absolutely, yes. So our, our hope is to um, bring everything together into, into a booklet and then we can make that available to 
uh, people either uh, online or hopefully when we're allowed to going, going back to events again. So going into a little more detail about the initiative, what do you think that farms can do to prepare for the coming season? Um, when we talk about their mental and physical health, um, potential financial troubles and political concerns that are looming such as Brexit? Gosh, that's a big question, uh, Emma. Um, I think the first thing I'd say is possibly try not to think of it all like that. Um, we, we can imagine these difficulties becoming or these challenges to become so huge um, that they might seem unsurmountable, you know, particularly at three o'clock in the morning. Um, we all talk a lot about mental health in farming. Uh, I've, I've actually found the farming community to be very resilient. Um, but of course, we can all face times um, in our personal and our working lives when uh, the stress levels rise. Uh, and I think the key thing is to try not to let that stress build into something that can become more problematic. Um, so I'm not an expert in this area, but a few tips that I find helpful when thinking about planning and thinking about going through change. Um, the first one would be don't panic. Um, most change is a journey. We don't have to solve all of these problems today. Um, uh, take a few deep breaths uh, and think about your plan. Um, keep your plan flexible. Um, be prepared to alter it as circumstances change. And a great bit of advice someone once gave me was don't try and boil the ocean. Um, it, we all have grandiose plans from time to time. Um, but be realistic, be ambitious, um, but keep it real and try and break things down into achievable goals, small steps that you can actually imagine yourself uh, uh, achieving. Involve other people if you can. Um, if, if you work alone, that's not always possible, but try and involve other people. Sharing the workload and the responsibility can obviously help you. Um, but it's also important when working with others that we, uh, we recognize they work differently. They'll be motivated by different things. Um, the things that um, they uh, are good at will, will vary. Um, so re respect that and keep the, the, the channels of communication open. Um, recognize your own strengths and uh, be honest with yourself. Where you need help, um, be prepared to uh, accept it. Review things regularly. I'm really bad at this. Um, because if I'm not making great progress, I don't really like to dwell on it. But actually, if you can keep asking yourselves a question of, of where you've got to, um, you, you will find that you stimulate some action just, just by doing that. Um, now, uh, I know that we're all bored of hearing this one, but it is true that exercise, diet, good sleep patterns help give us the best launch pad for the day. And I do appreciate that if you have a bit particularly challenging role, uh, you're working alone on a farm, um, you're going through a very busy period, those things can be difficult, but if you can make time for it, uh, I, I, I believe they can make a huge difference. Um, try and keep things simple. People respond to the best, uh, best straightforward messages. Um, get yourself an honest mentor, uh, someone you can talk to openly uh, and privately. Um, don't just choose someone who's going to be nice to you and tell you what you want to hear. Find somebody who will be honest with you uh, and help you think more widely about something. Um, remember to celebrate um, that you know 
we, we need to enjoy life even or try and enjoy life even if things are tough even if we're going through change even if we're feeling a bit uh, insecure try, try and make it fun uh, if you possibly can and enjoy it uh, and remember to celebrate um when you when you when you achieve things um but most of all um if you feel it's getting on top of you if you feel that stress level rising try and talk to somebody uh, ideally um, a friend um, a member of your family um, but if you want to do it in confidence then call fcn 03000 treble one treble nine you've um spoken about the initiative um starting in october when can we expect to see um more development have you got um a specific starting date and where can our listeners go to find out more leading up to october uh well we're, we're working on the content now um and are keen to hear from individuals organizations who might like to get involved over that six month period emma um as i mentioned earlier the, the first section um will be featured during october so people can watch out for a for a launch um, towards the end of this month, September, we'll be kicking that off in, in uh, the first week of October. Um, with the COVID restrictions in place, uh, we obviously can't uh, hold events at present. So we'll be relying quite heavily on social media and online content, but it will be produced in a way that it can be printed out for those people who um, would prefer hard copy. Uh, and we'll be asking our volunteers and our partners to help us to get those messages out there. And of course, people who aren't so keen on using the internet can call our helpline and, and request bits of that information if it's of interest to them. And then if circumstances permit, we, we hope to look at a bit of a roadshow next spring. Let's hope we can do that. <laughs> uh, and we'll be hosting all of the Time to Plan documents on our Farmwell website. That's farmwell.org.uk. Uh, when they're complete, so people can head over there uh, and keep updated with where we are each month. Now we're handing over to Olivia War, campaign specialist, who will be talking getting ready for the coming season with the new Spray Assist app. Now that harvest is coming to a close, farmers will be starting to think about drilling for next year and getting their preems on. I'm on the phone with Harry Fordham, Syngenta New Farm Technologies lead. Harry, what challenges will growers be facing over the coming season? Yeah, hi Liv. Um, so, as we know, autumn in the UK can produce variable weather, to say the least, and let's just hope we don't have another autumn like last year. But even so, even in a more regular autumn, we have um, variable weather conditions regularly, be it uh, rain, uh, temperature or wind. And as growers know, the, um, the biggest enemy of drift uh, for spray for spraying chemistry is wind obviously and as a result we've uh, recently in our low slow covered campaigns over the last three or four years been discussing using uh, low drift nozzles uh, such as the TJAT TTI 90% drift reduction nozzle uh, to ensure that uh, when growers and operators apply their products uh, they know they're going in the right place and we've talked regularly about uh, coverage of these uh, products on, on the soil surface but actually when we talk about these drift reduction nozzles I think we should be more thinking about distribution of that coverage and that allows even uh, coverage across the soil which uh, will help with the efficacy of our products to ensure that the chemistry is spread nice and evenly 
and we're helping to produce that cling film of preempt across the soil. Um, and then obviously, though, there are other uh, matters at play that we struggle with where weather conditions, for example, can change regularly throughout the day. And that makes it tricky to plan uh, application methods and nozzle technology and which ones to use in which situations. Uh, as a result, at Syngenta, we've uh, come up with this brand new Spray Assist app. So what exactly does the Spray Assist app do and how can it help growers to overcome these challenges? So the Spray Assist app is uh, it's available for free on both iOS and Android, so on Apple devices and uh, Samsung-type phones. Uh, and what it does is it takes into account um, many different factors uh, that collaborate together to produce a nozzle recommendation. So, for example, it will take into account um, your location. It uses accurate weather forecasting for your location over the next five days, split into hour uh, weather windows, and you can implement um, saved locations to ensure that uh, if your farm is spread out over a wide area, that you can know what the weather is doing. Uh, in, in different locations. Uh, it then takes into account your equipment and machinery, so the sprayer you have, um, the nozzles you have on your sprayer, and uh, it'll look at all those things and it'll ask you what job you want the sprayer to do, i.e. in autumn obviously it'll be pre-emergence herbicide timing, and then it will give a nozzle uh, and water volume and forward speed recommendation depending on the weather. So it can look at four different risk factors which are rain, uh, humidity, heat and wind and obviously in the UK wind tends to be the biggest driver in our nozzle selection choice and it will give you a, a red, amber or green uh, recommendation on whether you should spray or not and then also it will recommend which nozzle you should use for that application. Um, you can save which nozzles you have on the sprayer and so it will select which nozzles you have access to and which is the best for that job or if you don't want to do that and you just want to get the Syngenta recommendation, it will also just give you a straightforward Syngenta recommendation for the optimum nozzle for that job for that time uh, in that weather condition. Uh, and it will also change the application advice and give you a notification if, you, if the weather changes in the meantime. Um, and the weather risk settings are customizable, so... Uh, if you just want to focus on wind, for example, you can select it to do that, uh, and it uh, is live location, so it'll follow, it'll find out where you are unless you use a saved location. So the Spray Assist app combines local weather data with a whole host of Syngenta expertise to optimise your spray application. How can growers best utilise the app so they really get the most out of it? So it's great because you can, there's several ways you can use it and we've seen uh, and got feedback from growers of the best way they choose to use it and and one of these is to uh, create a plan over the next three to four days for example. So if you know for example you're going to start drilling on uh, on a Monday and you know you're going to have to do your pre-em on the Wednesday so it's within that 48 hour weather window. Uh, and you're you're at home on uh, on Saturday morning trying to plan your week ahead. Uh, you can say on Saturday morning, I want to spray uh, in uh, Churchfield on Wednesday morning at nine o'clock, and it will advise you then uh, what 
the weather is going to do and what the nozzle recommendation is going to be. And it can save that plan on your documents. Uh, and when you come to spraying it, you can tell it you started spraying, for example. Uh, and if the weather changes in the meantime, it will uh, change the nozzle recommendation depending on what the drift and uh, drift risk is and maximizing efficacy as well. So that's that's worked really nicely. And we've got some really good feedback from growers creating plans uh, to help them more plan their week ahead. And um, I think logistically, if you have lots of uh, area that needs spraying uh, that's spread across a wide geography, the uh, planning feature is really, really useful because it means you can uh, plan ahead and also work out what parts of the farm are going to be better to spray at different times of the week or day. Great. So making a plan is a really key aspect of the app. Um, finally, what would your advice be to those getting out there and starting to spray this season? Um, so I think it's, it's remember, the, remember the vital ingredients of, of setting up your sprayer. So it's things like ensure calibration is all correct, your nozzles are all calibrated correctly, they're not overly worn, uh, the sprayer is in good nick. And so, you know, when I say things like that, it's ensure tyre pressures are all even around the sprayer. Um, and that the booms are all lubricated and the bearings and the joints are all lubricated so that when you're going across uneven ground, the boom stays as steady as possible. Um, things like ensuring uh, if it's got auto levelling systems, that that's calibrated correctly and you can actually get to 50 centimetres above the soil. Um, and ensure that when you're, you're planning ahead, you know which parts of your farm are at bigger risk to grass weeds because invariably different fields have uh, different grass weed pressures and as a result it'd be great for you to be able to target those fields in a timely manner and ensure that uh, you're following all the best possible advice that you can which uh, from all the work we've done over the last 10 or 20 years in application is uh, consistently at 200 litres a hectare pre-emergence uh, with the boom at 50 centimetres above the target and at 12 kilometres an hour or less. And then finally, of course, we've got to think about nozzle selection. And again, it comes back to using the spray assist app. And in the circumstances that you're in, with the weather conditions you're in, it will recommend the optimum nozzle for for your situation, be it uh, a drift-reducing nozzle in uh, compromised conditions or uh, another option in, in good conditions. That's, that would be my recommendation. And the, the four things to tick off, uh, before you do your pre-ems is A, ensure your sprayer is set up correctly, uh, B, keep the boom at 50 centimetres above the target, uh, C, make sure you're going 12 kilometres an hour or less, uh, and D, uh, use the spray assist app to ensure that the nozzle you're selecting is come from the best possible advice from our Syngenta application experts. Great. Thank you so much, Harry. Uh, remember, you can download Spray Assist at www.syngenta.co.uk. And we also have a offer going on at the moment. If you would like to enter the chance to win £50 off a set of Syngenta nozzles, go to our website and fill in the Spray Assist survey. Thank you very much, Harry, for your time and speak soon. Speak soon. Thanks, Liv. We've come to the end of episode 46 of the In Contact podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it. If there are any other topics of interest that you would like us to discuss, feel free to leave them in the comments section below and let us know what you thought of this month's topics. 
We are also available on social media at Syngenta Crops UK on Twitter and Instagram, where we share the latest technical updates and community content. Find us on YouTube at Syngenta UK TV, where we have a whole host of insightful videos. I look forward to you tuning in next month. Until next time.